Welcome back to the Horror Autopsy. We're back. With all of our fans out there. Oh, yeah. The applause. All, like, three of them, probably. <laughs> <laughs> People from Whitelisted, I love getting them to subscribe. Okay, yeah, good. So, yeah. Okay. I'm on holiday, too. We're on holiday. We're we are on holiday, holiday. yeah. We're, we're on for, like, a whole week. We're nice. coming yes. to Portsmouth. Hello, Michelle. So, yeah, how you been, Palo? Seen any good horror movies recently? Yeah, um, to make up for last time's pathetic disgrace of not having seen anything. Yeah. Um, I'll talk, I'll talk really quickly. I've been watching a lot of Werner Herzog movies. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so, uh, Aguero, Wrath of God, which is quite an excellent Oh, uh, yeah, I've heard of that. Um, it's Apocalypse Now before Apocalypse Now. It's really mm. good. And Volevchik, which I might be pronouncing that wrong, but it's um, Klaus Kinski. And, but then rewatched Nosferatu, uh, which yeah. is such a bizarre movie. I didn't realise how strange it was. But that's great. And we mentioned that on the first episode. Um, then, um, the Roger Corman adaptation of the Fall of the House of Usher. I hadn't seen that all the way through to the end. It's great. So X. What's X like? I've heard really, really good things about X. I don't like Ty West, I think is my problem. You don't, yeah, that's true. You don't do. I do like Ty West for the most part. So I'm, um, I've been quite looking forward to it actually, but you weren't a fan, no? No, I didn't. I just found like I was sitting there thinking, okay, that's that film, that's that film. I'd rather watch any okay. of these movies. And there's a. I think it's been compared to Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. And I, it's like fine, but. Find it almost pretentious. There's an attempt that they're they're building up to. Oh, this is going to be. You know, we're going to be playing around with the mechanics of smart versus art and what have you. Yeah. Um, and okay. then the one attempt to do something interesting in the film, I think, takes itself very seriously. Okay, interesting. I still probably will go to see it because it looks great. I thought I remember seeing the trailer. I usually try to avoid trailers, but I saw the trailer for this and thought that looks very good. And it wasn't a trailer that, that gave away. I haven't actually seen film. the trailer to be honest. Okay. Because um, is it A24? Yes. Okay. Yes. I know that's not necessarily an automatic mark of quality. <laughs> but A24, yeah. Something different. Yeah, Something you, different. they make a lot of interesting films. And I do like uh, most of what Ty West has done. I thought House of the Devil was better. Okay. That doesn't uh, necessarily, no, it's not necessarily a compliment, but it's... I, oh, yeah. I know. Well, we've established yeah. that I like House of the Devil more than you. Okay. Um, I saw... Um, so on, on Shudder, I've recently got a Shudder subscription. I had one before, but then... Um, uh, but then got rid of it. But I watched Hellbender, which is a Shudder original, which yes. I think is one of the best films and horror films that I've seen in quite a long time. It's um, about a uh, mother and daughter who live sort of... Um, I can't remember exactly where it's set, somewhere in America. They live sort of out in the middle of nowhere. The daughter can't leave because the mother tells her that she's ill and that she can't be around people. Um, and then one day the daughter, sort of, she's wandering around and makes some friends. Um, and then that's sort of the premise. And then it goes to some very crazy places. But I think what I liked about it, and it will we'll get to Evil Dead obviously in a minute, but was the sort of behind the scenes. So it's family project, like mum and daughter on screen are mum and daughter in real life. And the dad is the director and he also has a brief role in the film, as does daughter character's sister. Sort of all do a bit of like directing and writing and producing and it's a really sort of collaborative effort and that really comes through like you can really tell that they were all having a fantastic time making this film shot during the pandemic as well and i just absolutely loved it so yeah that's total recommend 
and hopefully we'll cover it on the podcast at some point in the future. Yeah, it was great because you said, have you seen this film? I saw Mark Kermode had reviewed mm. it. Really great. Yeah, it was a good mix of, um, I guess, like 70s throwback horror with like Ken Russell style like hallucination scenes. Yeah. It was cool. The acting was great. The band they were in yeah, was really good. Yeah, that's also, they're, um, they're in a, <coughs> a punk band and yeah, the cool, music's really, band, really good. Yeah. But yeah, it, it had a, a low budget and there were a couple of like editing moments that you could tell. But they still mm. contain what they managed to do. The, all the drone shots, yeah. And, you know, you built, and the, the mother was really excellent. Mm. I thought she, I, that's what, yeah. she was great. I like. I thought both of, the, both of the lead performances were uh, really good. And yeah, you mentioned a lot of the Ken Russell psychedelic stuff. Usually, that annoys me. Yes, I don't right. like that in films like In the Earth, which we mentioned last week, had a lot of that, and I didn't like that film. But I think it worked in this because it was used very sparingly. Probably like you know, sort of a flat, few like flashes for a few seconds every. So often in the film, but um, but you get what it's trying to convey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it serves a purpose. It doesn't overindulge in it. It never seems pretentious, which uh, can often be the case. Sure. Speaking of unpretentious movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So jumping off the back of what the episode you chose last week, Power, which was Dario Argento and his overall filmography, but then focusing in on three films. I thought this week we would do classic. An incredibly influential and important horror director, Sam Raimi, focusing in on The Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Drag Me to Hell. But like we did with Argento, we'll sort of talk about his overall filmography and then focus in on each of those films in particular. So Sam Raimi, he started out um, in the 70s. Um, He did a short film called... It's Murder, which I haven't seen, which was a short movie, um, short Super 8 movie. Uh, wasn't a horror film, incidentally. Um, I don't know too much about it, to be honest, but a lot of his um, collaborators who he's worked with throughout script, including Bruce Campbell, uh, were in it. Then he did another short film called Within the Woods, which was the sort of the precursor The Evil Dead was ultimately based on. He sort of made that with the hope that it would get sort of recognised and he would get a bigger budget to make the Evil Dead. Not exclusively done horror, to be honest, he's made a lot more non-horror films than actual horror films. Probably most notably for um, a lot of people, the original Spider-Man trilogy with Tobey Maguire. So the first one, second one, and um, which I think are both You've seen all the Spider-Man films. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Um, <laughs> I've rewatched them recently because of the new um, Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. And what an excellent like set movies. I mean, we'll get onto yeah. it later, but yeah, what, what, a, what a really strange amalgamation of like his whole career. In it's interesting that when watching him, that he also made the Evil Dead movies, and that he, that those films were made by such a big horror director. The the first one is good. The second one, I think, is really good, and then the third one is Sam Raimi <laughs> in all of his like weird. He's just Sam he's really reveling um, in stuff, and there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of weird things about that movie. Tobey Maguire's dancing. Dancing. And the whole talking, emo Spider-Man. The whole evil emo Spider-Man, which I, like, I don't know what the fuck. And it's too long. It's like, I think at the time it was the most expensive film ever made. Okay. Um, or at least gross. It was one of the two. But it's so long. Yeah. It's very, it's probably the longest Sam Raimi. I didn't know it was uh, that long actually. I can sort of take or leave a lot of comic book movies, um, all the MCU stuff. I can sort of, I can put one on and enjoy it. it and, I think I like them more than you. I think you do, yeah. But I think the Spider-Man, original Spider-Man films with Tobey Maguire were quite instrumental in launching the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we would necessarily have that today without Sam Raimi making these films. And obviously, he is coming back 
to this genre uh, in a couple of months, I think. Is it May? Uh, May the 6th. May the 6th. Not that I've... Uh, the, I, I work at a cinema, so I get to see that slapped do, every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sam Raimi's doing the new Doctor Strange movie, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Which is a Lovecraft yeah. play. But what's really cool, I was thinking about this, there's going to be all these like 14, 15-year-old fanboys who are like, oh my God, you know, Spider-Man, oh my God. Um, I guess especially since... Um, but he's done, like, what was at, considered in, like, 81, like one of the most morally corruptible movies ever made mm. and that was partly spearheaded the video nasty movement. Exactly, and yeah. these, I think it's really incredible. Like, they're getting like a cinematic yeah. like history lesson. Yeah. It's really cool. The new Doctor Strange is going to be the most horror Marvel's ever been. I saw a trailer, so there was a trailer for it at the end of um, No Way Home and it does yes. look... It looks... I, I mean, it's not going to be a, a straight proper horror no, film, of course isn't it, not, when of course it's not, a Marvel not. movie, yeah. but it does look... There are zombies. Okay. There are zombies. Deadites? I, uh, ooh, there Bruce Campbell's going to be in it. It's Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell's in it. Okay. And probably, I do you want to know who else is going to be in it? Go for it. Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart has, is going to be in it. They have, they we we want to be careful about spoiling Marvel movies. Is it in the trailer? It, they, they showed a scene of it at like some big basketball game. Or... Let's not say who okay. he's playing. We'll just say... Well, if Patrick you're clever, Stewart. you'll know. You can figure it out. I don't know who you're talking about, but we'll... You don't like Marvel. You're very careful if you don't like Marvel. I, I don't not like Marvel. Like I'm fairly ambivalent towards it. I like No Way Home. I'm going to see if you figure out who it is by the end of this episode. Okay, don't hold your breath. (laughs) Um, The Evil Dead, more so than any, one of the most influential and important horror films ever made. And then it was also made the Spider-Man trilogy. And a few other films. He made a film called A Simple Plan uh, that's really, really good, which is like a crime thriller. It's sort of Cohen-esque. That's quite fun. He made Darkman in 1990, Mm. which is another... Superhero movie, have you seen that? Yeah, a long time ago. Um, Is it good? It was fun. It's got the same sort of feeling as, um, I guess, the Burton Batman. It's uh, kind okay. of going for that. And they also did The Gift, which I, which was quite good. I think that gave uh, him some okay. critical acclaim. Um, as we discovered, he was doing a lot of producing, so he did... Um, yeah, he's, so he's produced a lot of uh, really good horror movies in the last uh, sort of 10 years or so, including the Evil Dead remake, which we'll mention a bit uh, later. Oh, I, forgot, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is, I think is a, is, a, is a good movie. It's pretty decent. The only yeah. thing they're missing, when it starts raining blood at the end, they should have gone with Slayer. The whole... Is that, that's your only That's movie? my only gripe. <laughs> for, for a remake, one of the greatest movies ever made. Pretty good. Yes, I think it it loses all the humour that is in the um, Evil Dead. But fair enough, if you're going to remake a movie, do something different with it. And it definitely definitely does that. And I think it does, yeah, it's got some good practical effects, some good shocking gore, some really good cinematography. Produced uh, Crawl, Don't Breathe, 30 Days of Night, I didn't know it produced that. The Boogeyman. The Boogeyman, yeah. The Grudge remake Oh, he did, didn't he? Yeah, I forgot about that. So he still keeps, you know... Yeah, he's always had one foot in horror, even when he was uh, making superhero movies. And it's cool, you know what I mean? You almost feel like there's someone out there, like, never forget where he came from, what it's done. Absolutely. Shall we get into The Evil Dead? guy that's written it says it's an old place. A little run down. (laughs) But it's right up in the mountains. Well, it might not be that bad. I believe I have made a significant find in the Kandarian ruins. Naturan de Monto. Shut it off! Roughly translated. Book of the Dead. Let's go. 
So the premise of Evil Dead, it's really, we were discussing this beforehand, you can sum up the plot of the Evil Dead in about 10 seconds. Four friends, five friends, sorry, they're, they're holidaying, I guess, and they go to a cabin in the woods in the middle of nowhere. Once they get to this cabin in the woods, spooky things start to happen. A demonic presence starts to possess them um, until there is only one left, Bruce Campbell's Ash, who has to kill and dismember his friends uh, to survive the night. Then that's the end of the movie. That you know, that it's a really, really sort of simple plot, which I think we've seen sort of um, retreaded a lot since then. You know, it was really the first film to sort of have that plot: the creepy cabin in the woods, possess, you know, friends getting possessed and killed off one by one. But there is, you know, there is so much to love about this movie. Most, you know, the, the practical effects and the gore is really just absolutely incredible. Obviously, you mentioned earlier. Um, this film was one of the more notable video nasties that was banned in the UK um, due to violence and heavily censored when it was released. I think the gore, obviously, it's you know it doesn't look like how modern horror movies do, <laughs> but I think it, the gore really, really holds up. There's one point um, in particular. I bet you know the bit I'm talking about. The, uh, the tongue. Oh, no, right. Okay, okay. okay. No, the uh, bit where she's stabbed. One of the characters is stabbed sure. in the ankle with a pencil. And you really see the pencil like get... They really jam really it in. Really jam it in until it breaks off. And I think that's the... Even though that's not the most gory bit, I think that's that's the bit I really wince at every time I rewatch this <laughs> movie. Because you can almost just feel it. It's things like, things like that where it's like... Where you can kind of empathise with the pain that the character's experiencing. I always find that kind of, that kind of gore most uh, shocking. Yeah. Say. Yeah, and uh, it's probably the only kind of relatable violence in the film. I, I think this is partly the reason why I think we will, we will love it because it has that sort of squishy, scrungy eighties yeah. effect to the gore, yeah. and because of the whole video nasty history, it does add this kind of. Um, it's almost throwback without being throwback. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it's such an archetypal image and like feel this. It, film has. Yeah, it has a real gritty um, kind of film, and it, you can really tell that it's a low budget film. Yeah, um, essentially just you know a group of friends going out into the woods and making, making a, movie. a film. Yeah. And you can tell that with the performances as well. Maybe, okay, they're not Oscar winning, but I think they're... they're pretty rubbish. Even Bruce Campbell. <sighs> There's is, something so likeable. And you know what? I, I Maybe because I've seen this film a hundred times. Mm. Maybe because Bruce Campbell is Bruce Campbell. Mm. But I love all these characters. Really? Like, I really do. Like, they're, sure, they're like cannon fodder. Like, mm. apart from Bruce Campbell, even at the time when they made it, you know, there wasn't going to be another one. But what a, what a wonderfully stupid bunch of people. Bruce Campbell is like, you know, the like giddy puppy dog 16-year-old. And he does a speech and, you know, let's party down. <laughs> um, and obviously the famous, you bastards, why are you doing this? Him but why? It, but you, you still remember those scenes. And mm. it's like something you kind of cheer at because it's mm. so, like, so innocent. There is a real innocent... Yeah. You know, you feel almost sorry for these characters yeah. when they do start to get possessed and killed. Yeah. So, um... Like, I buy the whole relationship with him and his girlfriend you know because mm. I think I don't know it kind of shows how good Sam Raimi is when he waits for about 20 minutes you know sets up the whole thing with the necklace yeah the necklace film. is sort of like because it, it obviously shows up in Evil Dead 2 as well yes. I think yes. the necklace is something that keeps coming back and is kind of like the the thing that emotionally grounds mm -hmm. uh, the whole thing. I do think that is quite a good sort But of even in the first one, it takes like five minutes, again, in this wonderfully filmed scene, that you then buy that there is a relationship there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you, you do, even though I don't think the performances are good, I think, yeah, you do care about the character. The camera work and the cinematography and Raimi's direction is fantastic in this. There is this, and it's the very first thing you see in the film, this sort of POV of the demon, of, of this sort of entity that's haunting them, sort of rushing through the forest, 
which you see immediately they're like setting up that this supernatural presence is sort of there throughout and watching these characters and they do a lot of that of sort of you know this demon rushing towards the window and then glass breaking and characters screaming you never see what the other characters are seeing which i think makes it sort of scarier in the first sort of 20 minutes half hour it's just that and then the characters start to get possessed and that's when you see all the fantastic makeup and practical effects not animatronics what is it like clay motion there's a lot of claymation um, in this but, but yeah they, they, in, in, in sort of all of them actually sort of stop motion yes claymation. true yeah, yeah yeah but i think again the, the first one even though it's got a scrungier look, it mm. feels more real. The thing that really disturbs me about this film is, you know when he stabs one of the girlfriends with the, with the knife with the skull on, which is yeah. great, and then she's on the floor vomiting. The rug is the most scary part of that film because it's just mm. so filled with, like, like it's so tacky and, yeah. and cheap. Like, even the, the, the props are gross. And yeah. it has this scrungy, like, we'll just run, gun, shoot mm. sort of thing. Um, I mean, the cabin is just... It's complete shit. I'm like, I don't know why they want to stay here. <laughs> well, no one's, even at the beginning, they literally start off by going, oh, no one's really spoke to this guy yeah. who's, uh, who's saying we're just living in a cabin, you know. Um, I do love the um, opening the bench. shot, the, the bench and just the opening shot of the car pulling up to the cabin yes. in this really, like, eerie, quiet shot. Reminds me of The Shining, which came a year before this. I can't imagine that Raymond was influenced by that. I think they're too close together, mm. but he really reminded me of them. Um, a lot of the cinematography that Kubrick does in The Shining. Again, I think it all comes from, like, novice Is that, is that words? Novice-ty? Yeah. Well, you, know. you mean, like, first, like, because he's yeah. the first time yeah. director. Yeah. yeah, we can make up words on novice that. Okay, sure. I sure. Get it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You know, Hitchcock has this great control. But when you're watching The Evil Dead, everything's so sort of jagged that when the hands yeah. burst out the door, it misses a beat. But it always yeah. makes me jump because it misses that yeah. beat. Yeah. And he's just caked, thick, fake, yeah. gunky. There's so much blood scrunch. in this. Yeah. yeah, like bright red blood. The hand just... comes out of someone's back. And, yeah. You know, the, yeah. the last 10 minutes is almost like Gaspar Noe's. It's when all the bodies are decomposing and like, yeah, hands are sort of... I mean, it's all claymation. <laughs> it's all and it's, claymation. I mean, it doesn't look great, but I think it still is... It's you quite, buy it. It, yeah. it fits within the scrungy sort scrungy. of aesthetic of yeah. the cabin. Like you're saying, it's a shithole. It does get kind of trippy in one point, if it was intended or not. It does kind of highlight this sort of high mania. After everyone's died but Bruce Campbell, he's yeah. sort of manic. And then he goes, he looks through the mirror and then he touches yeah, it with the water. water. Yeah. Incredible. There's a, few, there's a few really good set pieces. Um, we didn't mention the Necronomicon as well, which became, you know, which is obviously a crucial, the, the Book of the Dead, which is taken from Lovecraft. Go, early on, they go down to the basement and... Um, Very tense scene as well. Yeah, Very yeah, tense. really, really tense scene. Um, and they find the uh, a book bound in human flesh and paint and written in human blood. And they also find some recordings of a professor who has been to this cabin before. Um, and in this on this tape, he reads out some incantations, and that's what actually summons the demon in the first place. Oh yeah, you can only defeat these demons by um, bodily bodily, bodily dis dismemberment. dismemberment. Yeah, and there's always a chainsaw somewhere in the yes. back somewhere. So yeah, the only way you can once you're possessed by this demon, the only way you actually kill it is by dismembering it. Although that does go out the window a little bit um, a bit later on. Yes, so, you know they play, they do play fast and loose with that. The film I don't think is concerned, and you kind of just go along with it because it's so you just buy it. Yeah. it, it you know, it does like you kind of already know. You know. Film called The Evil Dead, uh, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, so the first possession, or the first person that gets possessed, um, she sort of stalked for a bit. And this leads us, I think, partly into why the film got banned in the first place. Yes. One of the weirder, weirdest scenes, and actually probably one of the most extreme 
scenes in the film is um a tree rape. It's a tree rape scene. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's um, bizarre. It's it. <laughs> it's the sort of it's the first moment of violence in the film. Yes, I think yeah. actually. So um, it's Ash's sister's character who is sort of the most. She's the one who was initially like, "I don't like it here. We need to go home." She and after the um after they play the tape, she runs out into the woods because she thinks she sees something she hears outside. a voice and she goes quite far in to try and yeah, find she really does. yeah um, I don't know why she does that um, <laughs> but yeah she is essentially um, attacked by tree roots and then sexually assaulted by, by a tree essentially um, and it's it's a very disturbing scene obviously a very problematic scene Raimi has said that he regrets putting this in the film incidentally in Evil Dead 2 there is a bit where a character is sort of like bound up by trees in a similar way, but then just dragged off yeah. and um, never seen again, which I think is his way of saying that he regrets so, yeah. putting that in the film. I think he was just trying to be as sort of provocative and offensive and shocking as possible. It's, you know, sexual assault and rape is not something that was treated with as much severity and importance as... It is now in 1981. I think the, the the consensus is now the correct consensus. If you're going to portray something like that, you need to be very careful about the way you're going to do it. And I don't even it doesn't do that. It's it is quite exploitative. It it is, um, and it's a, it's a really strange like harsh tone in the, in in the in the middle or just the beginning of a very like light-hearted, dare I say, mm. film. The film is not as light-hearted as I remembered, though. Actually, I really, okay, being as you know a proper. <laughs> A, a very shocking film, but with a sort of comedic element to it, and there is less of that than I remember. It is very it's, funny, but there is, there is still, you know, there is, there is a certain fun to it. I should say it's fun as opposed to light-hearted. Again, the tree yeah. rape scene isn't light-hearted. It has a very, it's pushing buttons that is kind of doing it knowingly in a kind of juvenile way. I think Sam Raimi yeah. did say that he felt it came from a juvenile mind. Yeah, and he was I don't know how old he was. Um, Pretty young when he made this film. Um, yeah, he was only he was twenty two. He was younger than us. Oh no, no, was he 22? Yeah, he was, yeah, 22, he was 22 when he made this film. So yeah, very, he was, you know, yeah, he was young and when he, yeah, later on he said he regrets, he regrets putting that um, in the film. The music and the sound design I thought was quite exceptional. It's something I didn't actually notice until re-watching it and kind of doing it with like analytical eyes. The sound um, design is really, really You good. have these like yeah. drone noises, which turn mm. out were all accidental. Okay. That when they were in the editing studio, when they... Press the press the key to get a noise out. It came with an extra drone, okay. and they thought it just worked. It just worked it was, yeah. yeah, so they just put it in everything. Mm. Um, the whole bit you were talking earlier with the apple, where it's just uh, with the ankle, sorry, it's just an apple. The deadites, okay. which they're yeah. not called deadites. They're not. Point. I don't know when they're actually named. I think it's more deadites. the third one. Is it the third I one? I think uh, so. Yeah. I might be wrong, but I think it is the third one where they kind of like. Just I was sort of trying to hear out for it in um, in the first two, yeah, and I, I, yeah, it's definitely yeah, they definitely don't refer to them that in the Evil Dead mm -hmm. in the original Evil Dead. I can see that being it's more like in the in the second one when they become these sort of um, more playful, like malevolent kind of. You yeah, do see they're that almost in, like poltergeists. Yeah, these ones are just out to kill, and yeah, but um, <laughs> they even in this one though, you do, they do take real pleasure from tormenting their victims. When Ash's girlfriend is initially possessed, she's just sitting in the hallway, cross-legged, watching them and smiling. And I think that's actually one of the most disturbing bits in the. Well, film. the whole we're gonna get you. It's a really, really brilliant movie. A very important movie. You can see the influence. You can see how it's influenced um, Peter Jackson. Sure. For example, well, he said dead. Peter Jackson because doing some research for this, I found out that Peter Jackson saw the claymation part in The Evil Dead mm. and thought, well, Sam Raimi's only a few years older than me. I can start doing this. And then you okay. look further down the line with Brain Dead, 
Um, it's, yeah. yeah, it's so influential. Because you do sometimes forget, actually, or how similar um, Peter Jackson's career and Sam Raimi's career It's are. true, yeah. Started doing gory, low-budget horror movies and then doing... Um, you know, huge, huge blockbusters. blockbusters, yeah. And even then started the uh, the careers, okay, you know, of Sam Raimi, his brother Ted Raimi, yeah. Ivan Raimi, yeah. and Bruce Campbell. And I think we could we were talking earlier, the whole um, weird metatextual bit where the Hills of Eyes poster is. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you go down to that, yeah, when they go down into the um, basement where they find the book, yeah, there's a Hills of Eyes poster. Um, and didn't you say that's a thing him and Wes Craven have in referencing each other's movies sort of throughout their filmography. So in The Hills of Eyes, there is a shark poster after the first attack scene where the family are in the cab- mm. cabin, the um, RV trailer or whatever. Yeah. And there's a Jaws poster and, he, and Wes Craven, RIP, put that in there to go, he thought Jaws was bad. This is this is really scary. Mm. And so um, Sam Raimi put The Hills of Eyes poster in the basement of The Evil Egg. Oh, you thought The Hills of Eyes was scary, you just wait till this. And then in A Nightmare on Elm Street, Nancy's watching The, she is, e- the she? Evil yeah, Dead. Yeah. And, and then there was the whole thing. It was like, oh, you thought The Evil Dead was scary. Just wait till A Nightmare on Elm Street. And there was a weird, okay. there was almost quite an intelligent joke. Because, um, or weird, like, mock rivalry. Yeah, yeah, but I thought Evil Dead gets it because Evil Dead was banned. A lot of the gore is um, so excessive. Yeah. Even, even though, the, compared to the Saw movies today, which is CG and it, it's very... Well, different. I think the goal with that is meant to be realistic because, you know, we were yeah. talking earlier how you forgot there was, uh, how uncomical it was. There is still this mm. tradition of physical slapstick. Yeah. Like slapstick yeah. in the, the, the more sound of the word as in flesh and goo yeah. what have you there is a kind of over the top much like in say you know Human Centipede 2 or whatever you could almost argue this film did start the tradition of even though again unintentionally this kind of nihilistic gross out you know yeah. that if you get upset by it I guess Lars von Trier is a high art form of this mm-hmm. right? if you get annoyed you that that's the point you are kind of like yeah. the prude um, and this started yeah. it unintentionally or not I think unintentionally because yeah like we said at the beginning it's one of the most unpretentious films that I think you know um, that I can think of and Sam Raimi just he comes across as such a down to earth yes. sort of um, laid back kind of guy when he when I've seen him interviewed and everything have you seen Sam the Abuser no, it's a huge. It actually sounds very harsh. Probably it does. Uh, so it's basically loads of footage from um, the making of Spider-Man One, and everyone complaining about like Bruce Cam- um, Sam Raimi likes to just play extras and like run into his actors. Really? <laughs> and um, the whole thing with Bruce Campbell, where apparently he used to train Bruce Campbell with a stick and like would stand on. Well, he did sort of. He put his um, actors through the ringer in this in this movie. Yeah, you can tell. You can so yeah. tell. It looks so uncomfortable. It's a grueling experience. Yeah, I think it, it went over budget. It was it went. It was you know went um, way over over scheduled shoot. But I think, like we said, that adds to the a bit like Texas Chainsaw. It adds to this hellish quality. Yeah, all the characters are going through. You know, going through a horrendous ordeal. As you can tell, last thing we all, we both think this is one of the greatest we, movies yes, ever. Yes, we absolutely love this movie. Obviously, ha ha ha, um, aren't we great? And all, all three of the movies that we're uh, there. Yes, I I'm quite all of them, and I think we'll compare the three a little bit at the end. But for, yeah, a little more context. This was made on a tiny budget. Um, it got a small sort of release, but through word of mouth almost. It, um, you know, it became quite a well-known film. It got a small screening at Cannes, uh, sort of, um, call it, um, out of competition sort of screening. Mm-hmm. So a few, uh, few more people saw it then. Stephen King gave it a very, very good That's review. That's why he called it the most ferocious yeah, original horror which film. Which I think, and I love, I love when Stephen King sort of goes to bat for horror films. You know, yes. I love Stephen King. Well, it got quite good reviews all around. It got the, good reviews. The only yeah. real bad reviews were the sort of, like, you know, moral elite out there. Like yeah. the... Um, 
Mary Whitehouse, who, who spearheaded the whole uh, moral panic of video nasty. Uh, okay. And okay. this was one of the 82 movies that yeah. were tried. But all of them were, pro- I think it was 40-odd movies that were prosecuted. Okay. But, yeah, but, e- but even that sort of adds to the film's uh, notoriety. Yes. Um, but because the film obviously had a tiny budget but then became very successful, that gave Sam Raimi the um, sort of the clout and to get the budget to make the Evil Dead 2, or just, no, it's just Evil Dead 2, isn't it? Dead by, um, Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. Four years ago, in this quiet forest, in this cozy cabin, something happened. Something so frightening. Something so deadly. Something so evil. We prayed it would never happen again. Now, from the creator of Evil Dead, comes Evil Dead 2. process for him you know the studio got involved he wanted to cast Bruce Campbell on the lead and they wouldn't let him it made like five thousand dollars it made no also money. it's not very good really it's not it? very good okay I've not seen I've not, it I've not seen it but uh, okay. it's not great but yeah so in, yeah, he made crime wave in between these two films but then Evil Dead 2 comes along and Sam Remy said this is the film that he wanted to make you know that he would have made if he'd had all you know all the money that, in the world which I heard this which I think is like quite incredible you know, he made. You said he made the first one. He was twenty one, and now yeah. he made this one when he was a few years old. And you can tell yeah. that's one who's reflected yeah. on yeah, where they were. This is true, um, yeah. And it's so it's, funny to hear that because yeah. it, it's tonally a different. It's very tonally film, different, but still yeah. in the same universe. Sorry. Yeah. Continue. So there's six years. Yeah. Uh, Evil Dead. The first Evil Dead came out in 1981. Evil Dead Two came out in 1987. So yeah, six years in between these two films. It's kind of both a sequel and a remake yes. at the same time. Yeah. So it, the I think there's something I haven't seen in Bruce Campbell. Something about they couldn't actually they didn't own the right to the original Evil Dead, which meant they couldn't yeah. really make a direct sequel. The start is Ash and his girlfriend, who's played by a different actress in this film, going back to the cabin, but they're not going back. They are going to the cabin for the first time. It kind of rewrites the original film. She's instantly possessed and he hacks her up and buries her in the garden and is then possessed himself. So they kind of like summarise the first movie within five minutes. If that, I was surprised how quick I was like, yeah. oh, it really yeah, goes oh, yeah, from yeah. one to a hundred instantly, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it wastes no time, unlike the first one, which is about half, you know, 20 minutes, half hour, which is not a ridiculous amount of time, but it does take longer to get to the horror. In yes. Evil Dead 2, it wastes absolutely no time. 
Um, we did remind me that whole segment where her, her like reanimated body comes out and starts dancing. Yeah. More reminded me of a Tim Burton movie. It is quite Tim Burton-esque, um, isn't it? And yeah. great, great gags where, you know, her head spins around instead of a body. Because yeah. the film instantly gets off to a, hey, we're doing this. This is yeah. slapstick. This it is, is like, very slapstick, yeah. This film is... A comedy, I think. This film is a comedy This film first. is it's so funny it's, and it's so much fun. I think this might be the most fun movie that I've maybe ever seen, actually. I think I just... There's never a dull moment. It's, it's very well paced. Yeah. I'd almost say maybe it's better paced than the I think it first is, film. I think it is better. But we'll get to the sort of comparing the two films later. But I think this is a better made film yes. than the first one. And that's because it's, you know, it, they went from having um, 300,000 budget to uh, 3.5 million. They had the money. And, and like you say, he's a few years older. He knows he's more experienced. Mm -hmm. It stands to reason this would be a, a better well-made film, even if I maybe prefer the first one. I think the first one is a more important and influential film. But yeah, this film is a lot more fun. Bruce Campbell, obviously, Bruce Campbell's character, Ash, has become one of the most iconic characters in horror. That character that we, that everyone knows and loves, really only shows up in Evil Dead 2. He's mm -hmm. not, it's not as present. He's sort of, you know, like, um, bravado. And his, yeah, his wisecracks. You know, his his one-liners, groovy. That is all in Even the chin. Part. It was like an in-joke in the first film, like, as in, like, behind the scenes. But they, that's what makes him so likeable, that he is just this clown. Yeah. This sort of... Um, he's a physical comedy genius. He is. And he is. He's a very underrated yeah. actor. He's, um, re he's really, really good. I compare him to, you know, Charlie Chaplin and Jackie Chan. I'm in, glad in, you said Jackie Chan, because yeah. he... He does all of his own stunts. Mm. You know, you're not going to see Robert De Niro, we were talking earlier, when he's smashing the plates on his head. Yeah. And then he literally grabs his head and does a full-on somersault mm. on a hard wooden floor. Yeah. When he gets transported back in time. Yeah. He held... There's a whole bit where his head's in the puddle. He holds his breath for at least 20 seconds mm. in this filthy puddle. No other actor is doing that. Gets, Still now. Yeah. Um, he really puts himself... He really gets stuck in. The contact lenses, which apparently were a nightmare to wear. Yeah. Um, he's clearly worked out in this film because he has mm. this, um, you know, by the end he's sleeveless and he's got yeah. like, you know, a, a chainsaw for a hand, uh, which is another great gag with the whole yeah. saying goodbye to arms. Yes, that uh, is <laughs> After he has to kill Linda again um, within the first five minutes of this one. For the next sort of half hour or so, it is just Bruce Campbell, Bruce Campbell um, in this film. He goes back to the cabin and faces more, but he, he, you know, Linda comes back initially, literally raises from the grave. There's that skeleton dance that you talk about. She bites his hand and then, I think this is my favourite part of the movie, his hand then gets possessed and he, there's a sequence where his hand is just smashing plates over his head and, and just punching him in the face and attacking him. He then, his hand then tries to like drag, it's dragging itself, his hand makes noises. And stuff. His it squeaks, hand doesn't it? squeaks and sounds like a rat. It's so funny. Um, and then eventually he cuts his hand off. Because <laughs> the hand's going for a machete. The hand's going to kill for a him. machete, yeah. Which is a him. great idea. Yeah. It's so funny. And again, Bruce Campbell's acting in that, sort of doing like unconscious, but the, your hand is still working and then your hand, it's, it's all really, really good. And then he cuts his hand off with a chainsaw, which is a great thing. Who's laughing yeah. now? <laughs> <laughs> and then traps his hand under a bucket and it immediately escapes. And then there's a bit where he's um, uh, got a shotgun and he's trying to shoot his house. And then at this point, yeah, his hand is just like a mouse or a rat, just like running around. Flipping him the birds. Yeah, and flipping him off, yeah. Um, there's a couple other great bits, like when he's looking in the mirror and sort of to heart back to the first one where the mirror's made of water. He's looking in the mirror and he's himself like jumps out the mirror at him and starts trying to strangle him. 
um, which is really good. There's the bit where the deer head on the wall and all starts, the furniture yeah. start laughing, and and then Ash is sort of laughing with them, but also screaming in terror. And then he, re- and then he just wakes back up, and he just yeah. starts freaking out again. Yeah. Even the bit where the, um, I guess, the the energy, or whatever it is, is chasing him through the house. Mm. I forgot about the whole scene where the camera just go- follows it, him through yeah, that, and he's just him, running. And then he, then he hides, and the, ca- the demon, the camera like looks around and like, <laughs> then leaves, and you can always feel like the disappointment that the demon can't find him. Sure, that was really, yeah, really yeah, 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 yeah. The um, four other characters in this, I feel like just they couldn't sell a movie of 90 minutes of Bruce Campbell on his own in a cabin, smashing plates over his head, even though I've actually watched that. That, would sound, that sounds great. But um, the daughter and her boyfriend of the initial archaeologist who finds the book show up at the cabin looking for him because he was there. He was there beforehand with his wife. Um, more on her later. And also two other characters, um, a sort of like a hillbilly type mm. character who um, um, shows them the way, shows them like the back ways to the cabin after the bridge is destroyed and his girlfriend. They all show up at the cabin about halfway through the film. Um, initially, they, they get there at this point. Ash is just, you know, like manic and terrified, shooting anything that moves. Um, they come in, they knock him out because they think he's an intruder who has um, killed the archaeologist who was there previously. And then they lock him in the, the basement. Yeah. The basement, the fruit cellar. To which he, to our wonderful surprise and his absolute horror, there is someone in the basement. Let me out. There is someone in the basement. Which leads to one of the most bonkers, wonderfully bonkers scene where there's... Great. And I think, really, I, I still think it's really scary as Do well. Do you? Okay. I think it is. The, um, the archaeologist who... I don't know if he's an archaeologist. I can't think what else. I think he... I, I think he... Do- he's a doctor. He's a, sort of a doctor of the dark arts. Yeah. And, and his wife's there, just yeah. dragged along, I think. Yeah. And he's obviously there initially in the first and second movie. He's He finds the Book of the Dead um, and, and summons the the evil spirit um, and in this one he says the evil spirit has taken my wife Henrietta and we're hearing this on tapes as Ash is locked downstairs in the basement and he said yeah the evil spirit took Henrietta my wife so I had to bury her down in the fruit cellar no shit Ash is in the, the fruit, fruit cellar, cellar. <laughs> and it's this point that she bursts out um, played and voiced by Ted Raimi by his brother by, yes by Sam yeah. Raimi's brother um, Which apparently he was a bastard to him as well. On really? set. Like he had to wear that costume all day. It's a hell of a costume, yeah. <coughs> Even though it, he's under heavy, heavy sort of prosthetics and it, he looked, you know, it's it's very uh, full on. I could still kind of tell it was Ted Raimi because he's such a distinctive looking guy. Yes. Girl. But there's yeah. also cracks in it. You can see in the bottom of the suit. Again, another thing that the film this does do is you can see some of the strings and where the set ends and like mm. there's just nothing there. Oh, really? And it still know. adds to it. That. Yeah, you okay. can like... So, even, so when... when, when, when um, Henrietta flies out of the um, of the basement. You can see like a crack, really where a vagina is, and what okay. have you. you can see it's just a leg. So they have a a, a small fight, which uh, then uh, leads to the hillbilly man getting his neck snapped, um, mm-hmm. the boyfriend getting like cut. I think he, he's possessed. Oh, he and, becomes uh, possessed. Then he, he get cut. He becomes I feel like possessed. And, he's bitten um, or something. Um, um, I'm not sure. I know he's he's possessed, and he's like he's the first one to get possessed, and then they yeah. um, dismember him. Um, and then, the, yeah, the elderly's character's girlfriend gets dragged off as well. We mentioned earlier, she's sort of tied up by the trees and then they, they don't do the tree rape scene. They just literally just yeah. pull it away. 
Um, and then the flying eyeball. The flying eyeball is fantastic when they they it's get a head in in the um, head in the cellar gets slammed. The eye pops out and goes down someone's throat. <laughs> I laughed. I, I laughed out loud when that. It's so great. And that is one of the first we'll get to um, Dragon Hell later. But I think obviously gross out humor is throughout uh, this. But Dragon Hell is very focused on like gross out humor around things going into people's mouths. Yes, they're like maggots. Uh, yeah, and, uh, it's, it's kind of like Dragon Hell. Throughout Dragon Hell, there's a couple of instances in um, in this as well, and that's yeah, that's one of the eyeball going straight down the throat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you see, it does again. Like there's look all the POV shots in this. It's a POV shot of. Well, you see it flying through the air and then going into a mouth, and then just her mouth. The sound like, effects as well. It's just like a, it's like a cartoon. Yes. you know. Um, so then, towards the end of the film, it's just um, Ash and the archaeologist's daughter, whose name I, I can't remember her character's name. At this point, more feels like a comedy action movie. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's... There is, and there's obviously the... Um, the it's a comedy. Yeah. The whole thing's a comedy. Yeah, comic and book. they've got one, one of the most famous sequences when they go into the um, sort of the tool shed, and he attaches the chainsaw <laughs> to his now severed hand. It's a great sort of like sequence with a lot of quick edits. Um, we talk about influences earlier, Edgar Wright clearly um, mm -hmm. took a lot of influence from these films when making the Cornetto trilogy, and you can see sure. that, in the, in, especially in his editing style, you, you can see that in this sequence. Gets a chainsaw hand, groovy. Groovy, groovy. which I love that bit so much. It's still exciting. It's such a quotable film, and it, it, it's all, you know, all stuff Ash says. Um, and later on in Army of Darkness as well, there's a lot of, even though I don't, we'll, we'll mention that a bit briefly later, but there's also so many quotable lines in that mm -hmm. as well, um, that Ash says. Gets up with the <coughs> chainsaw on the hand. He's got the sort of manufactures a shotgun into a sawed-off shotgun, um, and then they go and take out Henrietta. The Deadites in this as well. Again, you can see the budget here. They are sort of under heavy prosthetics and makeup, but occasionally they'll like morph into almost like like proper animalistic, like demonic. Yeah. Faces. Like their teeth will come out. A yeah, bit more. their teeth come out. Her neck gets really, really. That's long. great. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Um, but they talk. They also have a lot more. You know, the whole bit were like dead by dawn, dead by dawn. Yeah. So then the ending. I don't love the ending of this actually. So the obviously we know the woods are alive. Yeah. In the, and part of sort of like the demons um, collective power. power right. Yeah. So the ending of this after they finally kill Henrietta, which is great. When you, I swallow your soul. I swallow your soul. Sorry, I decided to swallow this. <laughs> the tree demon comes through the windows of the house like a giant hand. Which like, I I yeah. kind of like because that. Instantly reminded me of um, the cabin in the woods. Okay, I know it's uh, yeah. to a slightly bigger effect than yeah. cabin in the woods, but I don't know. It's still that linearage. Um, okay, interesting. Um, I I don't know. I didn't I didn't love that. I mean, I think it was a bit silly. And then um, whilst this is happening, the other daughter character is reading out incantations to try and send the demon back, like banish it, which she eventually does successfully before dying. It's a little like Ash is the quote unquote hero of these stories. He never saves anyone. He's just the only survivor out. Of yeah. But he's, he's aware of that. It also adds to the whole like mythology. He isn't really necessary. He's almost like the everyman, you know. Yeah. He's kind of this like morally ambiguous. He's kind of a dick. He's a dick, and he's yeah. also a clown and like a bit of a pest. Yeah. Um. But he's so lovable because he's not. He just went for like a holiday woodland retreat with his girlfriend, and yeah. <laughs> it's just been at this point gets caught into like. A time yeah. vortex. Yeah, and so, gets that, sent yeah. Back. so that's the ending of this film. Um, he yeah gets sent back into a time vortex <laughs> to, so to the thirteen hundreds to, to to like medieval times. Yes, um, and takes out a winged demon. That's right. Sort of that's impressing right. all the all the knights and stuff around him, and that is the setup for the 
third film in this trilogy, Army of Darkness, which I only watched for the first time yesterday, and I didn't like it very much. I still really like it. It's not. It's the worst one out of all of them. It's not a horror film. It's, it's not a horror film. Fair enough. Film. He's not. He wasn't trying to make a horror film. But the 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 freak plot is he's sent back into the Middle Ages. He he wants to get back, so he has to go find the Book of the Dead, um, take out the titular Army of Darkness, and then does a, and then some spells happen, and he goes back to his job working in a supermarket. Depends what version you watch. So yeah, the, yeah, the, um, the original version is bleaker when he he goes too far and it's um, an apocalypse, and that that does tie into all of these films have pretty. Um, there's no happy endings in it. No, it's all you know. quite bleak. Yeah, all, first all, all one, quite bleak, he's screaming. Yeah. Second one, he gets sent back in time. And I feel maybe the... I think the producer stepped in and said, no, you can't do a really bleak ending where he, he, he goes back, he goes too far forward. It's even incredible where he goes, no, not again, I've gone too far. It, it's such almost like Kafka. Yeah. <laughs> it's you know, it's yeah. really great. I don't want to dwell on Army of Darkness too much, but you like it more than me, obviously. Yeah, um, I think it's the worst one out of all of them. But it's just so much fun. It's a very, you know, I'd show that to like kids, to be mm. honest. It, it's really yeah. wonderfully there's no, there's no gore in it, again. Which, horror, again, yeah. it, you can tell at this point he's he's getting further up the echelons of like respectable filmmaking, which is absolutely yeah. nothing wrong with that. His horror, horror days are behind him. Mm. Or are they? Well, yeah, so that's so that's the Evil Dead. Um, that is the Evil Dead trilogy. The Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness. They brought it back uh, a few years ago with Ash versus the Evil Dead. Did you watch any of that? I watched some of it with you and okay. Josh. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm Josh. Oh, um, yeah, I watched the first two seasons. It's it's quite good. Bruce it's Campbell's uh, Bruce Campbell's good. I really liked the first season. It sort of lost me a bit in the second, and I didn't watch the third, and it was then cancelled. But it was nice to see. It was just nice to see Bruce, Bruce Campbell, Campbell back doing Bruce Campbell things. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Sam Raimi did the first episodes. He did um, the first episode, but there yeah. is a new Evil Dead movie coming out soon. There is, yeah. I only discovered this yesterday. Yeah, with Bruce Campbell producing and Sam yeah. Raimi producing. Well, they are, I think they both produced the, um, Evil, oh, the, Dead, the yeah. Evil Dead remake, which came out in 2013. Before Ash versus Evil Dead um, and after Army of Darkness, Sam Raimi made another horror movie called Drag Me to Hell. Mr. Jax, I was wondering if you'd made any decision regarding the assistant manager's position. It's between Stu and yourself. Stu Rubin, the new guy? Stu's someone who's not afraid to make the tough decisions. I'm perfectly capable of making the tough decisions. I'll let you know as soon as I decide, okay? Will you help me? Please. Okay. We have an elderly woman asking for an extension on her mortgage payment. We would have to throw her out of her house. We've already granted her two extensions. It's a tough decision. Your call. Another extension is out of the question. Where will I live? I'm really sorry. Never have I begged for anything. But now, I Mrs. humble myself Mrs. before Mrs. you. I beg you. Please let go. Please let go. It will be you who comes begging to me. Someone has cursed you. Is the Lamia the most feared of all demons? For the first three days, the spirit torments its victims. After that, it will come to take you. Take me where? To burn in hell for eternity. It's coming for me. Please listen to me. There's nothing coming for you. 
get rid of this. I will. You can give the curse away. For me, I view the sort of Sam Raimi's horror trilogy as the Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Drag Me to Hell. I think Drag Me to Hell is kind of like the the film, I, the, the third installment that I wanted okay. watching uh, Evil Dead because it, it follows that sort of lineage of having a, a, that horror comedy lineage. It is, it is shocking, it is gory and violent, but my God, it's so much fun. It's such a joyous film to watch. You know, <laughs> Justin Long's great. Um, I always forget he's in it. Justin What's her Long's name yeah. is also in it. Octavia Spencer as well. Oh, for, like, um, barely. barely yeah. But it's just like, oh, wait, she's in a... Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? It's just, you see, I still don't, I don't think... Know, it was maybe like her first role, and she's basically in it. Was it? Yeah. Oh, I think okay. like, it's like, I think 2009, the hell was 2000. 11, like, you, you blink yeah, and you miss. Sure, sure. Lines but, but, again, I think I think part of the issue is I'm still not over The Evil Dead. Yeah. Just to see Sam Raimi do a film It's with... just, you're watching it and going, why isn't you just, why doesn't he make more horrors? Because he's, <laughs> he's so, so good, at it. good at it. And he does it in a very unique way, you know. Yeah, um, no one can do what Sam Raimi does. Because he takes, even the film's premise is, is a fairly, like, easy, like, setup. Yeah. But also has quite, like, a nice moralist, you know, there was almost like yeah. a, I'm going to say Faustian, but it's not Faustian, but I know what you mean. It's so the there's premise, a moral tale. Absolutely, the premise of the movie is that um, Alison Lohman plays a bank manager, um, not a bank manager. She she works, she works in the bank, in the bank. like a bank teller, um, and her boss. She wants a promotion, and her boss says you need to be a bit more. You know, you need to be um, like more of the bad guy. Yeah, you, know? you need you to need, make like the like harsh decisions. You need to make the tough decisions. Um, lady comes in. Um, she, a Romanian sort of yeah, um, traveler. traveler. Travelling lady comes in and she says, can I have an extension on, on on my house? Even that, you know, there's flies. It's a slightly problematic portrayal of sort of like Romanian travelling families in this. I don't think it's like too offensive or anything, but Agreed. it's not the most sort of... Um, sure. It's a bit of a, it's a, it's a sort of stereotypical, like, um, cliched it portrayal. It is. Part of my issue with this film, we'll get to it. It's probably my own issue. Not even um, like the moral aspect, which may be terrible yeah. to say. There is a lot of... We'll just, do, we'll just do this. This is an easy way into the next setup, which I've got to think yeah. against, but even the way it's shot sometimes okay. does have a bit of um. We'll just get that. Okay, that, that works. Let's just move on. I think I know what you mean. There's a slapdash For me, to I think that works quite well. It works. She goes to her boss and said, um, this lady uh, wants an extension. Can we give it to her? And he says, it's your call. You know, can you make the tough decision? She then sort of says no to this lady. She really wants this promotion. There's a whole thing with her boyfriend as well, where her boyfriend's from a rich family and his, his parents don't take her seriously. She, she's, she's the girl from a farm. Justin Long's family sort of looked down upon her. So she wants to be taken more seriously. So she says no to um, this lady who then sort of gets down on knees and begs I've never begged for anything. I'm begging, I'm begging you, please give me an extension of my house. And then she sort of says, no, no, and then sort of like, like shoves her away and she then, the lady then falls and then the lady says, you shame me. But she has a whole scene and the security comes away and she has a whole yeah, scene. security like, drag her off. It's cursed. Yeah. Exactly. But, and then she, she drags her off and then later on there's the scene. In we'll, the car park. In the car park. We'll go into, I think we'll cover the car park scene in more detail later, but essentially the lead character, Alison Lohman's character, is cursed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the, for the rest of the film, the, the curse is... <laughs> You're, you're tormented by this demon, the Lamia, for three days, and then you are dragged to hell. 
And without, you know, obviously we're going to spoil the film. That's that's exactly what happens mm-hmm. in the film. I know what you're saying when you say it's a bit by the numbers, like we'll do this and then it gets like A to B kind of thing. But I think that works. It is a moral tale of a good person, essentially a good person who makes a bad decision, does, you know, does something bad and selfish and is then... Well, even the opening sets it up. Maybe I'm like aiming too hard, but it does have this Greek tragedy feel. Even the yeah. whole setup, but you know the end, where where it's already going. The film is called Drag Me to Hell. Yes. You know that this yeah. film is not going to have a happy ending, like none of these films do. Yeah, that, I never thought about that. Actually, I don't notice it's... that properly in for these for these three in particular. They're all, none of them have happy endings. Evil wins in all of mm. them, really. Um, and even though they're a lot of fun, they're all pretty bleak yeah I never thought about that yeah it's, that's interesting actually so we, we mentioned briefly this the sequence in the car park uh, when she's cursed which is one of my favourite scenes in horror where she sees this handkerchief she goes downstairs Alison Lohman's character she sees this handkerchief floating about which she's seen that the um, Romanian lady mm-hmm. has um, and then she notices her car and then she gets it she gets in her own car and then notices that, she, that the lady is in the back of her car with maggots. With maggots, because yeah. then the head like almost pop up. She like her face it's is like almost a jump scare, but yeah. it doesn't like. There's no like sudden bit of music. It just the camera slowly pans around, and then you just see her face, and then and then boom, yeah. And then she comes for her. Um, and then they have this sort of scuffle and fight in the car park. Eventually, she kicks her out of the car. She says, "I beat you, you bitch." <laughs> I love Alison Lohman in this film. She's, it's a shame I've never seen her in any. I was else. about to ask where else is she? Is. She's really not done much else. Like that, this should be a star-making performance. I think. Yes. But I can see why it's not because she's channeling Bruce Campbell. I didn't realize until watching it the last time that she's doing this sort of over-the-top and campy performance almost. Um, but it wouldn't work any other way. This, it this wouldn't is the work. Thing, like, I think that's why it's, that's why she didn't, you know, like get loads of work after this. I think it was. People maybe didn't like the performance, but I think it's perfect in this Sam Raimi universe. Well, you said it perfectly. As Sam Raimi, all of his films take place in a very Sam Raimi universe, yeah. where you know the horror is like fun. It's not too scary, and the yeah. characters act kind of the right way. You know, they're almost like there's this sly sardonic eyebrow raise and like, "Ha, I beat you, you bitch," as opposed yeah. to going, "Oh my god, get away!" You know, that's the tonal like that's mm. Sam Raimi winking and going, "See, yeah, he's 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 a prankster." It is, um, yeah. He's reminding you that you're supposed to be having having a fun good time. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's the ACDC of horror. Sure. Where it's simple yet effective. I think I understand what you mean. You're a bigger ACDC fan than I am. She's been cursed by this lady says that yeah the, lam- the lamia will curse you you will be tormented for three days and then dragged to hell so the rest of the movie is essentially like <coughs> a fairground ride of yes you know set pieces of her being terrorized by this demon but there's a lot of stuff about things going into Alison Lohman's mouth and um gross sort of stuff happening centered around that and the fly like flies around while she's sleeping she gets up and then she lays back down and then it's the demon lady it's the lady is lying next to her instead of Jason Long and, th- and then she sort of gets up and like vomits maggots and stuff yeah. again into her mouth and then she, and then she wakes up yeah. <laughs> which also has like a Lucio Fulci kind of thing yeah. again you know they, he knows where, he, where all of this comes from you know Fulci had the whole maggots in in between all this she goes to talk to a uh, a medium um, who's an actor who's in Avatar and Inception as well See, so she goes to see him um, and he, he says you've, you've been cursed um, he, t- he initially tells her that you may be able to make a sacrifice to um, try and sort of appease the, the Lamia. So she um, murders her cat. Which is, 
It's. I think it's quite disturbing. I think yeah. there's, a, there's a deleted scene where you probably it happens off screen that you just cuts to her sort of going kitty 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 with a butcher knife and then the <laughs> which is it's a, that whole scene there is again it's, yeah. it's horrific especially for anyone who has pets. I can't imagine you know having to sacrifice my pet dog to um, appease so, some demon. Some demon. But they do initially. She's like, you know, I can never do that. She's a vegetarian as well. But then yes. after a couple more incidences of her being terrorized by this demon. You see how you know she's getting really desperate, uh, but I think there is a deleted scene where she brute, where you properly, really graphically see her stab this cat to death. But they did that in um, *Slight Tangent* with uh, the fly, where Jeff Goldblum's character puts uh, transports to a chimp and a dog, and it gets mixed up. Yeah. And they took that whole scene out, and then he kills it, and he took the, they took that scene out so the audience could identify more. Uh, okay. And I feel it would have just been, dare I say, too extreme. I think you for could, this yeah, film. I think people couldn't be able to empathise with yeah. it if they'd seen a stab cat. Just murder this cat. I haven't, yeah. I haven't seen that. that um... I've not watched it either. I've okay. just, um, I was listening to something about this film when they said there was a deleted scene where that happens. Um, but that that doesn't work later on. The the demon when it's possessing some guy sort of coughs up the cat, saying that I did not accept your sacrifice. Um, and yeah, there's yeah, few more, uh, few more set pieces. She goes to the old lady's house. And she asks for like, on. so she's she's going to go ask for forgiveness. I think this actually happens before the cat bit. She initially says that you've been cursed. The first thing to do if you want to reverse this curse is beg for forgiveness and, and go. Because yeah, I think the old lady says that earlier. So it'll be you who comes begging to me mm-hmm. after she curses her. But she goes to the old lady's house, and the old lady's dead. Dun, dun, dun. Which is also yeah. really great because you don't expect that. No, you, you you expect there to be a another set piece. You expect her to be in it again. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she's not. She goes to her house and they're in the middle of her funeral. There's a fantastic bit as well where she's sort of like, I don't know how this happens, but she manages to get like caught on the cot. She like falls into the coffin and then this, somehow the dead old lady. And she like grabs her head, <laughs> grabs her hair, and then falls on her and like vomits embalming fluid all over. That's right, all the embalming fluid. I, that was, I yeah. forgot about that because I knew there was some like yeah. gooiness. That's and, right. Again, more stuff around the mouth, and it's it's so gross and so oh god, it's it's fantastic <laughs> but so grim. Yeah, so she can't. Yeah, old lady's dead. She can't ask for forgiveness. Tries to kill the cat. That doesn't work. So then she organizes a um, a séance in between. That's the scene where she goes to Justin Long's parents' house for dinner, um, and then initially they do start to quite like her, but mm-hmm. then the demon demon comes back. At this point, she thinks maybe the cat sacrifice has worked. But it hasn't, and then the demon sort of like starts yelling at her, but she's the only one who can hear anything. So she sort of stands up and she says, shut up, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and then just, you know, she just looks like a crazy person. And then there's a little bit where the cake she's eating, an eye. That's right. And she stabs the eye, and then goo squirts out everywhere. Because this does have a sort of, uh, what reminded me a lot, have you seen Thinner? No, the Stephen King. The Stephen King yeah, thing. Where there's, a, there's a similar it's Traveler like, yeah, and a Curse. Um, yeah. But it does have this slapstick. Vibe, you know, it also did remind me yeah. a bit more of the 90s TV series of it. Okay, um, with... be, this does feel a bit more Stephen King than mm. his previous stuff, yeah. I think it does have that kind of influence. Um, because yeah, I guess the sort of like the you know, the moral sort of tale and the, the curse and that that's all very Stephen King. She goes, they do a seance. There is another shot where um, a boy who's stolen something from a gypsy. Goes and also tries to appease this demon. And then the pits of hell literally yes, open up. The hell opens up and drags him to hell, which foreshadows the ending of this film. Which is a great opening, actually. Because yeah. it's the whole thing where the seance, they have to try and kill the goat, don't they? they have yeah. To set this trap so that's up. it. They have to summon the demon, and then they'll put the. This is the plan. They summon the demon, they put the Lamia demon into a goat, and then stab the goat, and that will kill the demon. 
this doesn't work. There is a bit where the, the the demon does possess the goat for a bit in um one of the one of the couple instances of dodgy CG, CG in this movie. There's one or two, I don't. There's a bit earlier on as well where um the demon plunges her ha- plunges his hand down. Incidentally, we said that the old lady doesn't survive. She does come back in sort of demonic form a couple of times. And there's a bit where she sort of jams her hand down Alison Lohman's throat. Yeah, and yeah. It doesn't look good. It looks very dated. But even before that, there's a couple of shots where she's in the uh, the bank at the beginning, and just the way the whole film's like framed, they, they must have even used a green screen. It just looks, I would say, like by the numbers almost. Mm. The Evil Dead gets away with it because yeah. it is. It's already got the uh, the first unintentional movie that they had to stick to. Yeah. This one, it does feel a bit more high. But you know, at least we've got people like Justin Long in it. With that, the the, the Raimi Spider-Man films don't have. Okay. Like, and it's interesting this came out after. I don't know if he's doing it on purpose, mm. but it does take you out a little... It took me out a little bit. I didn't, that didn't... I think I know what you're talking about, but that didn't really bother me. I think the only thing that, that, doesn't, that doesn't quite work is the CGI. And that's, I think that's the case with almost any film that you mm-hmm. see. What, movies with a lot of CGI, once they're, you know, 10 years old, the CGI is, is, dated. is you know, ultimately, yeah. uh, inevitably going to look dated because that's just how technology progresses. And I think the best... Horrors in particular are ones which just use practical effects and not CGI. And for the most part, Raimi just just use practical effects. And the bits where they use CGI, I think, stand out a bit mm-hmm. um, as not looking great. And then, yeah, this goat possession bit also, I think, don't think... With shadows great. as well. Yeah. There are shadows come out from underneath it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which again, the shadow stuff worked work fine, but that it's it's the it's the goat face, the goat demon <laughs> okay, face. Okay, sure, is, okay, is yeah, yeah. doesn't look good. Yeah. And then the goat demon in, in this <laughs> scene bite, bites, scene. bites right. one of the people at this seance who is then possessed. And this guy then, and that's when you really see like the deadite. This is when the deadite sort of comes to play because the this guy starts like dancing around. Which... Well, she almost looks like a deadite before she before even when she comes in. Do you know what I mean? It's she, him. It's the male character who gets possessed. No, no, but I'm saying in in the film, uh, the the the, the traveller lady at the beginning, she oh, kind of looks like mean, a deadite yeah, anyway. Yeah. With it's just the teeth and the, uh, yeah, uh, it, it yeah. just has that kind of touch to it. I get yeah yeah for sure. Um, I think Sam Raimi has said that they're set in the same universe. The Evil Dead films. Really? Movies, okay. Well, yeah, which I like. Um, Sam Raimi cinematic universe. Maybe we'll see that in uh, Doctor Strange. Who knows? That would be cool. Mm-hmm. There are zombies in it. You said, yes. This seance doesn't work, essentially. They do manage to banish the demon, and Alison Lemon initially thinks she's in the clear, but then they say to her, we've just, like, you know, we've just prolonged the inevitable. Mm -hmm. We're still going to come for you. And then he says, there's one more thing you can do, which I didn't tell you about initially. (laughs) Which, again, is such a great Initially, I thought this is is dumb. He said that you can get rid of the curse if you give it to someone else. Mm-hmm. And I did initially think, like, why need you to have the beginning? And then Alison Lohman says, why need you to have that beginning? And he says, like, I don't, you know, that's going to be on my conscience if you then damn someone else to hell. By doing this, she needs to find some, she needs to find the cursed item, which was the button, this button on her coat. Because you get it torn, it gets torn off into struggle. Yeah, she, tours, yeah. The... she tears off the button of her coat and curses this item. So yeah, she now needs to try and find someone to give this button to who will we then banish to hell. For all eternity, she initially goes to a diner. She she thinks about maybe giving it to this old sick man. Mm-hmm. She calls up her awful co-worker who's sort of screwed her over a couple of times. She's going to give it to him, but she still can't bring herself to do it. And then she goes back to the medium and says, "Can I give it to someone who's died, who's passed on?" And he says, "Yeah, I see no reason." He sort of reading his book and he goes, "I see no reason why you can't do that." So then she goes to the old woman, which is grave. a great scene. It's where so it's just you know, raining. Rain, it's raining. It, you know, like no. It's even else. in the ground. I love films where like it's raining down. They've dug up a grave. They're standing in the earth. Yeah. Um, and it's just something very. I don't know. 
yeah. cinematic about that. Incidentally, we should mention that at this point she has the button in an envelope, and there's a scene where she drops the envelope in Justin Long's car, who mm-hmm. incidentally collects coins, mm-hmm. and they do a big bit of a show in sort of ten minutes. Of course, yes, of his coin collection. And you're like, okay, this is going to come to play yes. later. Yeah, like, you yeah, make yeah, a big yeah, thing yeah. like this. She drops the envelope in his car. She's going, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And then she finds it. She thinks she finds it anyway, but she, spoiler alert, she has the wrong envelope. So she digs up her grave, busts it open. There's rain everywhere. This grave is getting like flooded. That, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. again, this old lady's dead, but she's still managing to like <laughs> fuck with her and like tear out her hair somehow. <laughs> and yeah, and Alex and performance is sort of up to 11 in this. Sort of, yeah, well, the, at this yeah. point, because I like, even like, this is the part that I really love about this film, where you think it has that end and it goes, it, it's actually cleverer than you think, you know. Mm. It almost does lull the audience into a full sense. Yeah. Of it, it's a very nuts and bolts horror film. But then, again, these sudden flourishes that really highlight Rainey's... It's a, it is um, a series of set pieces, even though there's more of a plot than... than even but it's less, it, it relies... I feel a lot of films that just rely on set pieces have this kind of dream-like logic. Yeah. Because it is just, like, insane. Yeah. But this does have the plot that goes along yeah, with it. Yeah, there is a... Um, yeah, there, it is a... But, it, but at the same time, it is a series of set pieces. That's what you remember. But that's fine, because they're so good. Mm-hmm. And it's got characters that you care about. You actually care about. Yeah, I think the two... Yeah. As we said, she's great. Justin Long's great in it. Um, but yeah, she manages to... Has the envelope with the button in it, or she thinks. She jams it in the old lady's throat and sort of jams it in there with a shovel. Says, eat it, you bitch. It's another one of these lines which um, really made me laugh. And then she nearly drowns in this grave. It's, 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 it's absolutely absurd how much water is sort of pouring down at this point. And you think she's... The, the grave, the headstone, falls down and hits her on the head. And then there's water everywhere, and the old lady's body then it jumps back up yeah. and like somehow grabs her. Well, this despite still def- like being, being a, a corpse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this whole thing. Have you you've seen Inferno? Not to tr- go the back. Argento on, movie. Yeah. yeah, this really reminded me of the scene in Inferno I know what you're talking about, where they're yeah. in like this room, and yeah. again, this whole dream logic comes into play. Mm. But you kind of feel, you know, this, yeah. this dead body comes along with the curse. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's dream logic in this. It's just seemed like more of the curse influence. Yeah, but it has it. Or it plays it plays faster and loose with the reality. Where yeah. it has, you know, you know, why, you know, why is she so deep into this hole? Oh, yeah. I know because they yeah. want to fill this up with water. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the set piece yeah. carnival ride, like you were saying. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a horror train. Exactly, it's totally a horror train, and that is kind of when we come to the end of this horror train. It's quite so fitting. Think, yeah, with, uh... she she like emerges from it. The rain stops. She's like, I'm free from the curse. She goes and buys a really nice coat. She's going on a trip with um, Justin Long, yeah. who is about to propose. Incidentally, they're at the train at, station. Yeah, they're at the train station, and, and there's a good moment as well where she sort of confesses. Uh, Justin Long said, "I did have the opportunity to." give this old lady the extension on the house and I chose not to and initially that's something she'd lied about yes before. yes yes and then you think you're going to get a happy ending and that's when Justin Long goes oh by the way I've got your button here <laughs> <laughs> and she's like oh fuck screaming and uh, you know like she's completely um, you know hysterical obviously she now knows the curse it's well and truly about her. to get she falls her, but... onto the train tracks as a train is coming at this point initially you think she's going to get hit by a train but no demons the ground opens up. The ground up. opens up and like demonic hands grab her, grab her and and drag her into hell. Which is the which is a shame because that image is on the poster. Yeah. Um, and Again, they, I think that's fine. They, they it's almost tongue and cheek how. Yeah, that's you, true. You know, we, that's true. The film is called Drag Me to Hell. Like even though that's it does true. lull you into <coughs> nearly trick the audience and thinking it might have a happy ending, I think Raimi really wants you to know that this is not th- gonna this end. is always how the film was going to end. 
Um, so yeah, she's dragged into hell. There's another bit of CG where her face sort of starts to decay, mm -hmm. which is the only bit I think works kind of well. I thought that bit was quite shocking. I mean, I'm a sucker for films that kill off the main character. Yeah, and I know you are. It is cool when they really go for it. They go, actually, yeah. no, this person is actually there. Yeah. Let's revel in it. It's a great horror film ending. Yes. Um, and yeah. then the last shot is just Justin Long's terrifying face. I like, couldn't believe what's happening. to hell, yeah. Because the whole point, I like their relation as well, which he's very, very sceptical. He's, he's a, a, That's right. he's a professor That's right. at a university. <laughs> he's very, very sceptical about science. all of this. He's a man of science. Um, even though he does sort of pay for the medium and stuff, and he, he I love their relationship. But it's more He's, out of like he could. You can tell this is just a genuine couple who like each other. Yeah, and he does are, it more yeah. out of for her as a. He does it, to, yeah. To he doesn't her. believe any of this, but he's truly in love with her, and um, and yeah, I think it's quite heartbreaking that he's going to propose at the end, and they could have a happy life together, but but they don't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, and then that's it. Yeah, it totally has the same feel as Evil Dead Two specifically, and a bit of Evil Dead One. Three films work. So well together as a it's horror, funny you say horror comedy as, trifecta. Well, it's actually very cool you saying that Sam Raimi felt this film took place in the same yeah. universe as Evil Dead. I never thought about those three and taking out um, Army of Darkness. It is important to say that actually this film did get. I wasn't sure actually what the reviews were, but this film actually got pretty good reviews. Yeah. Um, to worldwide, not to say worldwide acclaim, but people were a lot happier than I yeah. thought they were going to be with it. And I also didn't know that uh, Christopher Young did the music. And it's that kind of like he's saying what else is Chris Young? Hellraiser, oh, and okay. there is this kind of like over the top kind of I would say orchestral, but there you know yeah. this grand feeling of yeah. and yeah, it's I, it makes a lot of sense actually. But, it, yeah, uh, you're Christopher right. Young it, did. it did get good reviews. I think people were very glad to see Sam, Sam Raimi, you know, a return to form, come back and do horror, especially after doing the Spider-Man uh, trilogy. Um, I think the two thousands were also a bit of a dead year for horror as well. I can't think of any really good horror films uh, the, the Descent came out in 2000s didn't it but I can't think of many Eden Lake Eden Lake yeah Martyrs Martyrs is yeah. Switchblade Romance yeah. Was... yeah okay American oh American well, well Hollywood movies then you know obviously the rest of the world is always making um, good horror it's the Hills of Eyes remake which is it's not a good movie <laughs> You know, they, I don't know, I kind of enjoyed it because the same director went on and did uh, Cruel. He did, yeah. Um, I can't remember the guy's name. Yeah. Alexandra. He's a Chilean director, yeah. Oh, no, it was the French guy who did Switchblade Romance. Oh, okay. I'm thinking Alexandra the guy who did Jeffrey. Yeah. yeah, it did do well critically, as as did Evil Dead and as did Evil Dead 2. They're all well-renowned films in the horror genre. And Apparently, the day uh, Evil Dead 2 came out, James Cameron knocked on Steven Spielberg's. I was like, we've got to go see the next great movie. Really? Like, apparently, they were, <laughs> he was so excited. All of these are great. We sort of discussed this a bit before, but what is your favourite out of these? It's still going to be the first Evil Dead. Okay. Um, I almost did get knocked off by uh, Evil Dead 2. Mm -hmm. And I forgot how much I did enjoy uh, Drag Me to Hell. Mm. But it's still, I don't know... I still can't get over the Evil Dead, yeah. personally. Okay. Which is why it still blows me away that he did great uh, Oz the Great and Powerful, and now... Yeah, I've, never, new... seen, I've never seen that. It's all and right. I didn't realise he's not made a film since then, and Doctor Strange will be his first film in nearly 10 years. Yeah. And I cannot wait. Yeah, It's going to be incredible. Like, yeah. I still can't get over it. And, you know, Danny Elfman's doing the soundtrack to it. He's also, I think, read that he's doing another horror film soonish. Okay. Um, okay. But definitely The Evil Dead. Okay. Followed very closely by Evil Dead 2. And then he actually very closely by Drag Me to Hell. And okay. it's nice to see a filmmaker who started out 20, 30 years ago and is still making fun, yes. watchable <coughs> Argento movies. And not being stuck by doing one thing. You know what I mean? Mm. He did horror, he's 
superhero movies. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, he's 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 got he's got range. You know, yes, he, he does a lot range. of different types yeah. of uh, films, but he will always be a horror director to me, and I think that's what he'll be remembered as as well. Why? Because this is a, this because, is always... because he's made two in particular, two of the most um, well loved and regarded and influential horror films mm. ever made, and particularly the Evil Dead, the first Evil Dead. I think. It's not even just horror, it's just renowned as being such one of the greatest independent films ever made as well. Sure. And I think that's sure. why, even though I think Evil Dead 2 is probably the best film out of these three, and if I were to just put one on just sole enjoyment, it would definitely be Evil Dead 2. I think the first one is probably, I have so much affection for it, and it is such an, an important film. You know, it reminded me of why I just love film as a whole medium of in terms of that they just you know it was tiny budget essentially just a group of friends going into the woods and making a film together and creating something so fantastic pretty much agree i do pretty much agree. Yeah. especially we are sentimental on the evil dead it is sums up why i love filmmaking yeah uh, the imperfections the you know the blood sweat and tears you can yeah. like literally there's a very physical film i'd love to see it in a cinema yes like I'd love to do that, yeah. you know that's what the cinema is about and you know the fact that it's so unpretentious and same with i think all of sam raimi's movies you know they're coming from a very much like john carpenter as well you know they're, mm. they're fun first and foremost he wants you to have fun yes yeah he wants to entertain yeah and that's what a film should be that's what film should be about at a base level yeah. agreed yeah. God bless you, Sam. And God good luck you, yeah. with Doctor Strange. I hope it's good. Same. Same. Yeah. Um, I'm worried, actually, the trailers showed the whole film in terms of its... I would say don't watch it. If you're a big Marvel fan but or a big Sam Raimi fan, I, I think you, I think films are always better when you go to it completely blind. I just try to avoid... One last thing I will say about the trailer is that this is the first Marvel film I've ever seen that advertises the director first. Okay. A yeah. film by Sam Raimi. And it's not yeah. because of The Evil Dead. It's because... Of Spider-Man and the yeah. recent um, No Way Home stuff. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's true. But yeah. his fingerprints are all over. Like, how amazing is Willem Dafoe even in the new Spider-Man? But he's basically doing Jack Torrance. Yeah, you know, is, yeah. There is this whole, you know, gothic, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He's really, really good um, in, in, the, in the latest. He's probably yeah. the best, you know. And he still yeah. wants to do his own stunts. Yeah. I love Willem Dafoe. Can I we do an episode yeah. on Willem Dafoe? Yeah, sure. Why not? Can we? Should we do a podcast dedicated to Willem Dafoe? Willem Dafoe, maybe. Yeah, we could get him on. We get, you reckon we could get Willem Dafoe? Yeah, he'll do anything. We can try. No, I don't mean that. He won't I'll, do anything. I'll but call he... his agent. We covered his career and we covered those three films in a lot of depth. Um, and yeah, they are three fantastic films. Didn't mention the Three Stooges at all. Oh, uh, we, we didn't mention Three Stooges. Yeah. Influenced by the Three Stooges. Yes. God bless you, Bruce Campbell as well. Yes, Bruce Campbell is a... And Robert Turper as well, the producer who did the first he two. He did, yeah. Um, and he, I think, suffered as much because he was the one that got with the funding and apparently one of the reasons they didn't own the rights to the first one was they borrowed money from so many people. Yeah. It was, um, they couldn't figure out who owned the most okay. of it. And a lot of it was wine merchants, apparently. Interesting. Yeah, okay. Italian wine merchants. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Fantastic. So... Stay scary, Ooh. people. Follow us on social media. We're The Horror Autopsy on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, that way you'll know when all our podcasts are out. So um, subscribe. If you've so been subscribe, listening, subscribe, subscribe right now. Subscribe to us on Spotify <coughs> um, and all of that. And yes, we will see you in the next one. Bye. <laughs>